You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 950 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on Monday the podcast i'll be joined in a few moments by tyler jones good friend of the podcast to discuss all kinds of hawks related topics good to catch up with tyler as always but first there is some news to get into um, there was a report from sham sarania of the athletic that cam reddish quote has an initial four to six week timetable end quote after his surgical procedure last week to address some achilles soreness that he was having and travis schlenk said you might remember that um they expected um rush to be out at least two weeks that was a radio interview that travis did uh, last week at this point, the Hawks have not announced this timetable, but four to six weeks would not be terribly shocking to me, and I'm sure that's coming from somewhere if Shams is reporting it. So that's the latest on Reddish. People were asking me today when he'd be back. It's going to be a little bit, a little bit longer, obviously, considering this report. Obviously, this is not official. Again, the Hawks have not said this, but it's uh, it's obviously a very credible source, so keep that in mind with regard to Reddish. Also, in that same piece from Shams, he indicated that the Boston Celtics are interested in John Collins. That's not a surprise whatsoever. Nothing specific there, but another team throw in the ring here. And also, he said the Hawks are at least monitoring some wings on the trade market. I will just say this. We are now at a 10-day market. I record this on the 15th from the trade deadline. So, silly season is now here in full effect. There'll be tons of rumors, tons of murmurs. Some of them will be true. Some of them will not be true. In the next week and a half, I will do my best to parse through them and report back to everyone on the podcast. Obviously, if the Hawks do something big, I will have an emergency show, all that fun stuff. But we are gearing up now. We are 10 days away from the deadline. So a lot will be happening. A lot will certainly be reported in the coming days, but nothing huge here. Obviously, Collins will have some suitors. The Hawks do not have to move him necessarily. Um, they certainly could. It's possible. But uh, for now, nothing too hot to report on, uh, at least that's made its way into the public sphere. Also, last thing here before we get to Tyler, the Hawks play in Houston on Tuesday, as I touched on at the end of last night's podcast on Sunday. And by the way, we had two shows over the weekend, breaking down the Hawks' back-to-back sweep in their five consecutive victories, as well as last week we had Caitlin Cooper on the podcast, Brian Schroeder on the podcast, so plenty to catch up on if you missed any of that. But they are in Houston on Tuesday. Um, the Hawks listed both Capella and Okongwu as a questionable, as questionable. After, missing, after both guys missed on Sunday. So that's notable. That's all I know. I don't know anything beyond that. The Hawks were off today just for travel because obviously they had a back-to-back, so no practice today. So it's all question mark at this point in time. We might learn some more on Tuesday morning when they have sort of a shoot-around and availability. But uh, for now, questionable on both those guys. Obviously, you don't want to have both of them be out again, but we saw the rotation and what it might look like without them if they both missed the game on Tuesday. Um, also, the Rockets are comically shorthanded in this spot. They don't have Eric Gordon. They don't have Peter Tucker, they don't have John Wall, and three other guys. Also, Christian Wood has actually been out for a long while now. He's actually been upgraded to doubtful in this game, but doubtful is doubtful. So I, I think I expect him not to play. So that's, you know, four of their top players. Not necessarily the top four, but four of their top guys. And Wood is their best player at this point in time, probably. Uh, Daniel House is questionable. Ben McLemore is questionable. So the Rockets are just a shell of themselves at this point in time. I know I mentioned this yesterday, but they've lost 16 games in a row. That's tough to do. Even with injuries, you normally would like fall into a win somewhere. So they maybe they're due if you want to be a pessimist on the Hawks side. But you know, objectively, the Hawks should win this game. Doesn't mean they will. It's still the NBA. You can lose on any given night. But the Hawks will be favored. There's no line right now, according to our friends at Bellman.ag, as I record this on Monday evening. But um, I would expect the Hawks to be comfortable favorites, even without Capella. And if he plays, even more so. I know they're on the road, but uh, Houston is battered and bruised here. So, you know, you, you never want to lose 
ever, but a team that's lost 16, 16 games in a row is a bad time. So the Hawks should, if they, if they play well, they should win the game. If they don't play well, all bets are off. But that's coming up on Tuesday, and we'll have a new podcast after the game, uh, and as always. So please keep it locked here. Please subscribe to the podcast, all that fun stuff. Before we get to Tyler, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today, and the first of which is rockauto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com? rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver get everything you need just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door and best of all prices at rockauto.com are always low and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I am joined now by good friend of the podcast, Tyler Jones. It's been a while, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I think the last time I was on, it was my birthday. So it's only it was. natural that today, today we come on when it's my sister's birthday. So there you go. happy birthday to her. <laughs> Um, and then I guess the next time we're gonna, I'm going to be on, it's going to be my other sister's birthday. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Uh, it's just a fun coincidence. I don't think that was planned by you, but it was just fun for me to notice. Um, other than that, you know, I'm good. Uh, you know, a lot's, both a lot's changed with the Hawks and not that much really <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, but, um, yeah. I guess we got some stuff to talk about uh, in regards to that. But uh, on a personal level, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, the roster is the same, although it's healthier now than it was. And guys are a little bit more settled in, particularly uh, with Bogdanovich back and uh, Gallinari getting settled, let's just say. Um, but, of course, there was the, uh, the coaching change since last time we talked on this podcast. And uh, since the change occurred, the Hawks are 5-0. and um, there's a little bit of noise there and that they've played five pretty winnable games, but they won them all. So that's kind of all that matters um, on that level. It's the first time in four years, four plus years, as they won five in a row. So lots of positivity and with good reason. Um, I guess we'll start there. And I do want to ask you later on about John Collins trade stuff because we're, we're getting close. We're 10 days away from the deadline. So that's that's topic. That's the, that's the thing that I'm getting asked about the most at this point in time, but I'll say that for later. Um, I guess broadly speaking, uh, what have you seen uh, from the new look Hawks or the not so new look Hawks in these uh, last five games? Because now they're suddenly winning. I mean, Nate's coaching them up, Brad. Yes, he is. He's got them making shots, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter. Uh, he's trusting his bench, Brad. You know, going to all bench lineups, something Lloyd never did. <laughs> Uh, what else? Um, yes. Fa- famously, famously, people loved it when Lloyd Pierce went to full bench line. <laughs> full, full bench uh, he's playing. He, he's playing a lot of Collins and Gallinari. Something Lloyd never did. You know, it's just, it's just incredible the change. I mean, there hasn't been that big of a difference. Like, I was, I'm being very facetious here. Uh, the biggest difference has clearly been that one, Bogdan Bogdanovich has been healthy, which has been huge for the bench. Because now the Hawks bench unit went from 
literally the worst in the NBA to winning them games. I feel like that's probably like if you want to pinpoint what's changed is that Gallinari one is playing better. Uh, probably helped by the fact that he's gotten healthier and that I, I will say this, even with the Hawks playing at a slower pace, it does feel like Nate McMillan trusts Gallinari a lot more than Lloyd Pierce ever did um, to the point that it feels like when when the offense stagnates, uh, Nate kind of falls back on trusting Gallinari uh, to come on the floor regardless of either if he has to sit either Collins or Capella. Um, to get things going, and it just feels like offensively they've been a little bit more deliberate in getting him involved uh, to get him going. And yep. he's responded by playing a lot better, um, and that's that's kind of been the difference. Because I mean, going into these games, it was just like a lot of these games where the Hawks starters would play good, but then their bench would be absolutely terrible and give them nothing. Uh, and now, you know, with really like to me, it's like with Bogdan on the floor. Now you can see Rondo's value as a as a as a creator, you know, uh, and getting getting these guys to ball ball balls where they want them want them, and you know these guys being dangerous scored. Bogdan hasn't been scoring well, but like it's just the small stuff that Bogdan does his off-ball movement plus his ability to get into the teeth of defense and then make a play to get an open layup for somebody else. Like, that's just something the Hawks have not had since DeAndre Hunter went down Yep, from the wing. And now that they got that uh, going, you know, you know, and with Bogdan coming off the bench being overqualified as a bench player, um, they're playing better. Like, that bench unit is playing better, and it's been the difference. It's where they're either coming back in these games or breaking these leads open. You know, this is stuff what good teams do is their bench. You know, your starters typically either play even or play slightly above, but it's really your bench unit that decides if you win or lose the game because um, it's, the, it's those four-minute stretches of basketball where you go on a 12-2 run with your bench. And that's the and that's the difference. That's the margin of the game. So, like they've they've played a lot. The bench has played a lot better. And you know, may, maybe there is something to ripping the bandaid off with Lloyd. Uh, I, I guess we can dive into that a bit more. But maybe there is something to that. Just due to the fact that it, based on some of the reporting and, and the tertiary uh, sources you're getting. Is that Schlenk um, kind of wanted to fire him last year, uh, or you know there was there was rumblings about firing Lloyd Pierce last year, which suggests that this is not really again this wasn't really a coaching problem with Lloyd. I don't think more of a fit problem. Yeah, I think I think it does. And, you know, I don't want to do too much on the Lloyd thing, but I think that's a good way to put it is that, you know, basketball wise, uh, I thought a lot of the criticisms were unreasonable and I've I've said as much. And I I don't think they have changed all that much basketball wise. 
um, the like the fit the fit thing is the way to put it there, I guess, and in the personality management por- portion of the job. And you know, I said this at the time when all, when all the reporting came out after the firing. But if if you know if if a good not not even all of it, but if, if a good amount of that was true, especially the athletic piece you had, you had to move on. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what, the way that I framed it. Like, you know, I'll never know. And people don't know how it goes in the locker room, but if it really was, you know, at the level of that in terms of personality management, that just becomes untenable. Uh, so, but basketball wise, like I know we kind of joke about it, but it really hasn't, not that much has changed in terms of just what's, what they're actually doing. Um, there's a little bit of, you know, definitely offensive, some offensive tweaks. Like they're, they're running less pick and roll the last few games. They are playing slow, and all that stuff, but uh, but they were. I mean, they were starting to play. They were playing. They weren't. It's not like they were in the top end of pace. No, they, they the were more in like the slightly above average. But I mean, I, I looked. I looked it up earlier today. They're actually, depending on which pace you trust, uh, the NBA.com one. Everyone, uh, the Hawks are either last or second to last in pace in the last five games. So like okay. they're they're playing incredibly slow now. Deliberately and, now. Yeah, yeah I mean. it's they're really grinding it out. You know, especially the the Miami game, the first game. Um, was like you know breathtakingly slow, and then this last game against Cleveland was just an absolute slog. So those those two weigh it down a little bit, but that choice is an interesting one. I was going to ask you like what you feel about that. Just, you know, it doesn't bother me, but it's just an interesting decision because this you know the personnel they have. The one guy you would say is better with that pace is Gaudari, but other than that, I'm not sure if it really helps everybody else necessarily. But it's also worse. Yeah, I, so. I also don't. I don't think it hurts uh, in large part because outside of John Collins and Clint Capella, I'm not sure if any of these guys can finish consistently on the break. Um, it's not like, I mean, this is what we talked about earlier. They don't have that superior athlete on the wing. No, I mean, really, really anywhere. It's it's really Collins or, is the only guy on the team that's like that. <laughs> yeah, they don't really have that superior athlete who can push the ball uh, 90 feet and finish, you know. They don't ha- have that on that team, on this team. And so, you know, maybe maybe it's – and they have and they have a lot of offensive talent. So, like, yeah, maybe leaning more into uh, – that that function your your personnel that way might be better, but like I said before, I don't think I I don't think it's made that much of a difference. Honestly, I I, I think I think Gallo has just well, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that. guys are making guys are making shots. I mean, we we yeah, can talk. Gallo's or... making shots where he wasn't making shots uh, to start the season. They're I mean they have a sixty plus percent true shooting in these five games. Uh, they're just making shots when they need to. The other thing I wanted to make sure I asked you about this this stretch in particular was, uh, you know, a lot of the Hawks' issues when they were losing games was that they were inconsistent. They'd have runs that they that they went on, and also runs that they gave up, and that really hasn't changed either. Like the 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 little secret of this run is that the Hawks have had some terrible stretches in these games. Like they lost that middle portion to uh to toronto by like 35 points in the middle of the game like they've had some really awful quarters and really awful you know halves almost just kind of in the middle of games and i wonder what the secret of that i mean i'm not i don't have the answer just to be i mean I hate, I hate to be that guy to say um one team making shots and then they weren't missing sh- they were missing shots at the same time but like especially that raptors game i mean I didn't think the Raptors were even playing well during that stretch. I found 
Like, what what are you supposed to do when Stanley Johnson's going three for five from the three point line? Like, yeah, I mean, some of the, some of them I mean, some of them are wide open, but yes, uh, you know. I, I mean, even if it's wide open, like I, I know Stanley's hitting forty percent of his threes, but he's been there's some noise in there for his career. <laughs> yeah, one of the worst volume shooters in NBA history. Um, so like I'm not. So it's one of those things where it's like this is a offensive team, right? They're not. They're not a team that's going to. Though, I think defensively, like while they're ranked, uh, like basketball reference has them twenty third. Uh, if you look delve deeper, uh, they're right around league average based on their off their net. I mean their defensive rating, at least on uh, basketball reference. I don't know what it is for the other. Uh, sites but like my point being like they're they're smack dab in the middle they're 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 average to below average slightly below average defense but they like they're built on outscoring teams so when they go through run stretches where they're missing open shots or you know for whatever reason like like the toronto game they're going to struggle like and but they're a high variance team because they rely on guys who make, who can make a lot of three pointers in a hurry. Uh, that's kind of what Gallinari is. Like Gallo will miss his first four shots and then go three for three for five from three point line, and that wins you the game, right? And yeah. like that, like it could just be that, right? I, you know, while they're healthier. They're still missing their point of attack defenders. Well, yeah, you know, it, the, the secret, the, the, the little secret is they're still missing, like you said, they're missing their point of attack defenders. They didn't have Capella on Sunday, so they are they have been healthier, but they have not been that much healthier. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they basically got Bogdanovich back, and that was that was it. But they've also, you know, it's guys playing better more than it is just getting guys back at this point. Like Bogdanovich really helps, of course. And Gallinari not being a corpse does really help you, <laughs> but uh, I mean yeah. it can be stressed. It can be stressed. He well, was so bad. Well, that's so bad. And I, during I, during I that felt, during I the felt bad. where the where the Hawks, um, you know, the stretch that got ultimately was why Lloyd got fired was because of the results, and those results were happening because. Like Gallinari couldn't take advantage of bad defenders, and yeah, I mean, it, was, it, it was it was dire. It, it was, was bad. Like it was it was like, oh my, is he done? And so it's good to see that he's not that he's back to being the basketball player they paid a lot of money for. Um, because like, I mean, you can't be you can't go losing your best wing defenders, your best wing. And then also have Gallinari, you know, your your quote unquote six man with you know Bogdan slope working his way back, uh, just being ineffective. Like Gallinari, while he's a six man, he's also basically the six starter. Yeah. You know, he plays starter minutes. Um, and that was the plan all along, by the way. I mean, yeah, yeah they and, they paid for him. They paid for him to, to quote unquote come off the bench, but he was always going to play starter minutes, basically. And he was playing some of the worst basketball in the NBA and now he's not. And so like, is it that 
you know, there's I'm because like I, I can't sit here and say, well, Trey Young's playing better or worse. Like Trey Young was playing incredible basketball during that stretch where they were losing. Uh, yeah, every I game. mean, Trey, Trey has been the guy. You know, the, he's had the occasional rough game, but he's been yeah. consistent all season long. Like he's been really good this year, no question about that. Like he's shooting really well in the last five um, from three, for instance, but like. Most of the stat stuff, that's the kind of craziest part about this stretch, is that most of the like individual numbers are not outlier. They're kind of pretty normal looking. Um, and I was going to ask you, like, broadly speaking about the change, like, how much, how much in your mind is basketball? How much of it is, like, just guys, you know, the new coach bounce is what we talked about when it first happened. Like, even when I had Caitlin Cooper on talking about Nate McMillan, like, there's this very well-known effect in the NBA where if a coach gets run, it's usually because they're not either, either not doing well or, they, or they've lost a locker room or both. And there's usually a, a little bit of a bump right after that. Uh, is that, is that what's happening here? I mean, or is it just as simple as not making shots and making shots? Like I'm actually asking you. I, I, mean, um, it's, I do it's, think, I do think there's been a tangible, uh, because that last Miami game before Lloyd got fired, that fourth quarter stretch felt more a lot like the those last actually the last couple games the last two last games OKC okay, Miami they they felt like they had kind of given up like let go of the rope kind of thing in those it, games it felt like they didn't have belief that they could close these games out and, and that, that, that's a word or, that's been used or, a lot by the way is belief or or that they were putting too much pressure on themselves at the same time I felt like because you know it's one of those things where. You know, you read the report, it makes it seem like every player wanted Lloyd gone. I don't think that's true. It was probably a 50-50 split. And, or, or like, guys were either 50, one of them gone, one of them to stay, or were neutral about it. But, like, it, it did feel like maybe some guys were putting a bit too much pressure to perform and produce uh, in these close games. And it, it was causing their performance to dip, including, I think, Trey Young, even though Trey Young didn't want Lloyd to be the coach. Um, I also don't think Trey Young wants to be known as a coach killer or, no, you know, that term. And so he... he and he wants to win, too. I mean, Trey... Yeah, I mean, and he wants Trey's, to win. And, Trey's competitive. He wants to win. And this and this is the funny thing, you know, Trey... Trey Young doesn't... You know, he didn't like Lloyd Pierce, but he sure did listen to him. Uh, like... I, I don't. This is something we talked about the last time on the pod. Uh, Trey Young has significantly cut down on the uh, yellow three point attempts. Yeah, like significantly. Like he's he takes he's taking shots in the flow of the offense. Like he's taking less threes, uh, and he's getting to the free throw line a lot more. In large part, um, I feel like due to Lloyd's coaching, Honestly, wanting him to be a much more efficient player. I, I want Trey to shoot more threes. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I, I'm 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 on I'm on the side of Trey shooting more threes more, than he has more been. threes and less floaters, but um, you know that that floater is it's, I mean it's his. It's, as I watch Jeff Green make another three, Trey's Trey's floater is really the only thing, the only thing this year that he's that he struggled with is that he's his floater has not quite been the same this and season. He can't, he'll never quit it. Well, and honestly, I I don't blame him because. A, he kind of needs it. At his size, he needs that shot. And also, he's been good at it for a long time. So I don't think that it's suddenly just gone. I think right now, he, he hasn't had it this year. 
It's a weird season. I get all of that. But, like, you're not just going to stop taking floaters when you're a 6'1 point guard. Like, you, you need that shot on some level. Like, he, he probably he could probably take less of them. I'll give him that. Like, he probably sells for him a little bit too much. But he needs that shot. I mean, it's it's part of his arsenal, and he's good at it usually. He just hasn't been good at it this year. Yeah. But but my larger point is that overall his shot selection has been much better. Uh, he's playing much better defense. Um, and it shows up. I'm pretty sure it shows up in Raptor and all that stuff that used to label him as the worst defender in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's not and, that bad anymore. I mean, he's, he's still – near the bottom in those metrics like EPM. Yeah, but he's near the bottom he's near the bottom with all the other Right. As I was gonna say, he's he's more like in the twentieth percentile. (laughs) Like yeah, he's more in that like twentieth percentile, fifteenth percent, which is still bad, but as we've said forever, I know you have, I have other people have as well, you know, being first percentile versus fifteenth or twentieth percentile is a pretty big difference and that's happened so far. Like he's not good. Um, but he gets in the way more. He's his effort's been better, as we kind of suspected it was going to be. Like once the, once they were more competitive, and it and he, and he had a little bit more help, it was going to improve, and it and it has. Like anytime now, I, I see the- anytime I see anybody on Twitter now saying that he's the worst defender in the, in the NBA, I'm just like, you're not watching anymore. Like he, I know he's, I know he has the rep of being bad, and he is bad, but bad is not. You know, he's better than he was a year ago. Simply put, I mean, he just is. But my. You know, the large over point I'm trying to make here is that, you know, Trey was listening to what Lloyd was telling him, and he was doing it, and it made him a better player. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is something, this is something I was thinking about uh, over the All-Star break and then watching the games, was that I can, you know, I can understand Trey not liking Lloyd Pierce, right? Sure. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure there's some stuff Lloyd probably could have done better, but I, I do, I want to, I want to get this out the way with Trey on. I feel like the Hawks had done during the early part of his career, a pretty poor job of just batting down the flames because I don't know if you know this. Trey Young is a very, like, he's, anytime he's mentioned, it's always an argument nationally. Like, oh, yeah. He's a very divisive player. Certainly. Very, for whatever reason, he's super controversial, and it's due to his play. And, like, I do feel like the Hawks organization have done a poor job of insulating him. Um, You know, where every time he's mentioned nationally, it's like a talking point of how he plays. You know, early in his career, it's should he, I mean, he's a bad, you know, he can't shoot. Oh, he's bad. He's a bust. And then you move on. He's not a bust anymore. He's not Luka. Then you move on to this year. What he does, even including what happened in the Cleveland game, what he does isn't basketball. Drawing fouls, Brad, is not basketball. What 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 Lloyd Pierce does, I mean, what Trey Young does on the floor just isn't NBA basketball. Which, I mean, just it's the it's the yelping of losers to me. Like, Trey Young shouldn't have to apologize for having one of the best handles in NBA history and using that to his complete advantage. 
yeah. uh, to get defenders off him. I mean, it, it happened again the other night. J.B. Bickerstaff got caught on camera, and I, I tweeted it saying that it wasn't basketball, one, one of his foul drawings. But 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 it, but it is basketball to hack John Collins and then – Well, right. It's you like – you know, For I, the referee not to call it. Like, I, I get what, the frustration, but, yeah, I, I think it's you – know, you know, I understand on some level, like – the frustration of the opposition because Trey, and that's one of his, we said this before, before he got, got picked one of his great gifts, even as a college player was like, he's a really good foul drawer. And that's, that's not like a fun thing to watch necessarily if you're on the opposite side, but he's taking advantage of the way the game is refereed. Like that's not, it's not a bad thing. Like he's doing what he should be doing. And by the way, the guy's six one one eighty, Like it's, it's not like he's getting, uh, they want him to get beat up. Like I, I guess, I guess people just want him to get beat up, like physically, and like, I mean, whatever. Regardless, my, but my point is, it's like I don't think Lloyd, as a coach, was very good at cheerleading for Trey. Right. That you is uh, that is accurate. I think. Like, I, and whether he should or shouldn't have been doing that, um is a different discussion, but I, I do think it's fair to criticize Lloyd for his PR mishaps with Trey Young and with other players. Like I, they clearly, um, they clearly didn't like, I mean, according to the reporting out there and what I've heard, like players clearly didn't like the way things were publicly handled. Like, and for, again, you can kind of, like you just said, you can kind of argue both sides of that, but at the end of the day, the players didn't like the way it was handled. And not, when and you're not losing, and and when you're losing games, you should be winning. And you know we can talk about how they've been unlucky. You know players don't care about that. No. They don't care about luck or luck. Nope. luck. They care about results. Okay. And when you're losing, you don't give yourself a margin of error when your players don't like you, and they don't like you because you go talk to the press when Trey Young doesn't initially get selected for. The USA. Um, <laughs> I think it was going to come. Up. That was the one. Yeah. I mean, but Brad, that's that's the one. Like, no, that was the one. No, trust I, me. I mean, even I, like, as someone who was when, definitely when, seen when as, he, like, yeah, it was it, bad. It's like you can't do that. You can't say that. No, you can't. He can't. Like Trey Young's during the season in which Trey Young was statistically having one of the best seasons in Atlanta Hawks franchise history, without even debate. It wasn't even. Wasn't even much of a debate. It's one of the like five best seasons. Like the head coach of the twenty-one-year-old franchise star players, like uh, you know, he's got to work towards it to 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 not make the team, but to get on like the be one of the fifty players asked to join. Like he wasn't even selected, and so like I'm pretty like I'm pretty sure like multiple people in the Hawks organization were calling him like Lloyd with that. What the H are you doing? Right. right? I mean, he tried and he tried and to walk he, it back and all that stuff. I mean, it, but it, it's <laughs> the first, it like, you know, you guys got to understand. It's the first, it's the first comments that, that matter. Agreed. Like, and his, his, uh, you know, his, his second comments on the matter made sense to me and, were pertinent, but like it's also it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's also a softball. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, it's, it's the easiest. Easy. It's the easiest thing in the world to come out in those kind of situations and just get your get your guys back, especially that because, guy, your best, like your best player. It's it's so easy to do that. 
that... And especially, and we're talking about last year, because, like, to me, Brad, he got fired for what happened last year. Full stop. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, um, yes, I, I, in part. In part, if, anyway. Like, to me, I'm like... If they were winning this year, he doesn't get fired. If they were, if, yeah, if they were winning this year, if the injuries didn't happen, that's why I was like, if DeAndre Hunter, I, I tweeted this, if DeAndre Hunter didn't get hurt and John Collins didn't get suspended, um, his second year, or, or hey, if John Collins didn't get hurt his first year during the first stretch of basketball, maybe these guys aren't as aren't they're not losing as much, and so that they can take the criticism. The criticism can come a lot easier because you're winning a lot more. Right. But when you're losing, you're losing so badly. Like, and then you come off these losses where Trey Young's playing incredible basketball. But the team's getting blasted 20, 30 points. And you got every national you got every national podcaster, broadcaster, you know, analyst either debating his numbers if they mean something, like if they mean anything, <laughs> if he's a stat guy, if he's selfish, if he's doing this and doing that. And if you're Trey Young, you're like, man, I'm literally trying to do everything I can just so that we can score two points on a given possession. And it's, and, but everything I do has to be put under this massive microscope. And it's like, it's, it, it was getting ridiculous. And then for, you know, your coach, like if you're Trey Young, once you hear those comments and then you always constantly hear after these losses, like, oh, it's effort, it's effort, it's effort. Like, that's not going to, I mean, you're just not going to survive when you have that stretch that we had this season where there were six games under 500. Like, you're just not going to survive that stretch where it's like... No, your margin, you of, error, your margin of error is gone. I mean, yeah, th- that's the thing. We we kind of all talked about and it's not it. This tra- it's not this trade, Brad. No, like, not at all. It's, it's the one where, for, like, what what was it, two years ago when, when Lloyd went on Zach Lowe's podcast, openly said that we don't run plays for John Collins the guy who was averaging 19 points on 60 plus 60, like 5% true shooting in his what sophomore year. And clearly the number two option on the team and the head coach is like, no, nah, we don't run plays for him. <laughs> I mean, if you're a player, you're, it's implying that you have no skill level and that you're just a junk guy who's cleaning up. And it's like Lloyd buddy, you can't. <laughs> it could be true. You can't say that to Zach Lowe. Right. It's not like Zach Lowe's watching every game. It's just not gonna. So there's just the, no upside. That's the to reputation that. that yeah. That's the reputation that your the young player is going to have throughout the rest of the NBA. Like that. That matters. Like that. Like he. And it's like, but these are just one-off things. But like, these are huge. Like. The Hawks aren't this nationally broadcasted team where everybody watches every game. Nobody watches the Hawks play. So when the coach says these things, you know, it doesn't matter all the good that he says. When he says the one bad thing, it blows up. Because why wouldn't it? Like, that, that's, the, that's the talking point for this team, especially considering, again, Trey Young is a divisive player. Whether he deserves to be divisive is a topic for another day. <laughs> right. But, like... He is, and the head coach isn't, you know, it it makes it seem like the head coach doesn't have his back. And so, like, to me, I'm like, I can understand why Trey Young doesn't like him. 
does it mean Lloyd deserved to be fired? No. I don't think Lloyd, personally, I don't think Lloyd deserved to be fired. I thought he was still a pretty good coach. I think, you know, them not like, the players not liking him or not didn't matter much to me. You know, <laughs> they, they, they fired Lloyd Pierce to hire Nate McMillan, you know, noted players coach. Well, that yeah, that was we talked about that a little, a little bit with Caitlin and I. Like, we kind of had a little bit of a chuckle about it because, you know, McMillan is not known to be the most cuddly guy with players. But uh, but what he is, <laughs> but what he is, Brad, is his teams won a lot of games. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, right? he he has a great record. He's got and, and unlike Lloyd Pierce was rookie head coach. Nate McMillan has actual clout. I mean, he has 16, so 16 he, years of being a coach. He played in the league. Like he's a he's a proven we, winner. Like yeah, it's it's easy so. And when he says, hey, we're not giving effort here, they believe it. Sure. More than Lloyd, who they see as a greenhorn. You know, even the young guys who say, well, he's he's just some guy who didn't, you know, he didn't play in the league. What what does he know about us giving effort? Right? Like I, I think that's a that's a that's a significant difference between the two of them. And like and I do think that matters, but you know, it does. I mean, in the end, Again, like I, I, I think, think that, I think the coaching um, is not worth, you know, 10 points a game in the way that some people think it is right now. No, um, but, right. but it does matter. You know what I mean? There's like, there's nuance there. Like not every single problem is solved by a coaching change in the way that some have framed it, I think, but the results are obviously better. They're, they're definitely bought in. They're having fun. Like, if you watch them right now. Yeah, they're having fun again. Like, they're, I, think I mean, that's... that comes with winning, but it also comes with, you know, they're having fun. So, like, which one is it? It's, it's one of those chicken and the egg things. Like, it, yeah. are they having more fun because they're winning or are they having more fun because they're having more fun? I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> Both, I guess. Um, but I, I do think the pressure being off has opened these guys up to playing better. Like, just... Like they can relax and just play to their talent, you know, and not have every win or loss be an indictment on somebody, and it just be a basketball game. You know, you could just play basketball now. Like, that, 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 is, that, that is refreshing to watch as well. To have it not be a, a, an all-out war yeah. about the coach I, every I, night. <laughs> I feel like I feel like, and I, you know, the players, they have social media. They they read all the same stuff that fans are posting. Oh and, yeah. You know, I'm sure there some are, of them uh... felt the same way. And now, and now that that's, that aspect is gone. They can just play and have fun again. And, and they're playing well. And, yeah. So like, you know, it, it helps when you get to play the easiest stretch of basketball on the season. Well, yeah, that's the, uh, the, 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 the little secret about all of that is the the timing of the, of the firing um, in addition to, you know, everything we just talked about, they also they they also did it right before they played um, Orlando. And you know, granted, they got a little bit lucky with Toronto being in uh, having protocol issues, but uh, the schedule is is pretty friendly at the moment, which is not which yeah, is they good. Got it, they got it. They got it when J- Jimmy Butler was hurt. Um, yeah, they they beat they be, if you if you want to be as pessimistic as, po- as possible, they beat a Jimmy Jimmy Butlerless Miami team. They beat Orlando in a miracle fashion. They beat Toronto without three of their best four players. They beat Sacramento, who's not good, and they beat Cleveland, who's not good. So, if you want to be pessimistic, you you can be. I'm not trying to do that, but it does. You know, it's not like you beat five juggernauts. Yeah, 
but the optimistic view would be like you won. They should have beat the Mavericks. <laughs> right. I mean that that you won the games. Like, you won the games, and there are teams that you should have beaten that you didn't beat the other shoe. Like you should have beat the Mavericks. Yeah, you honestly should have beat the Heat the first time. Oh, um, there are several games this year in which you can look up, and I said as much after the games on those nights, and be like, "This is a game the Hawks should have won." And you know that, that that first Cleveland game on the twenty third, where they give the, the, the Lamar Stevens yeah. dunk, like that's a one that's like a shining example yeah, of a game you should have won. Was, like, oof. but you know what I mean. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm not gonna run on the parade and just say you know they you know it's five bad teams they beat, and because they didn't always do that. Like there is there is something to be said for winning games you're supposed to win. That that's supposed to be what happens. But the Hawks didn't really do that for large portions of the season. So mm-hmm. taking care of business is one thing, and that's kind of the phrase I always use. Like that, especially the, like that win last night on Sunday, as we record on Monday night, was a taking care of business win. Like Cleveland's Cleveland's awful. Like they really are. Like Cleveland Cleveland's offense is unwatchable. That game was miserable. The Hawks didn't play very well for three quarters, but then they kind of woke up and was like, all right, let's just win this thing, and they won by eighteen. They won comfortably. That was a very like you know, black and white, like, they just took care of business win. And that's nice. Like, you need I, those. I, I'll say this, though. Um, especially these last two games. I feel like this is probably the two most physical games um, these teams, like, the Hawks have played. Maybe. In, in like, years. I mean, the, like, King, the were, Kings game, they went, like... The Kings tried to, the Kings tried to beat them up. Yep. And, like, usually when teams try to beat them up, they kind of fold. Not, not that night. Um, but instead, you know, even though they couldn't get a rebound, didn't matter. They didn't, you know, they still went through their stuff. That was they such a weird box good. score. <laughs> that was they such still, a weird like, game. They still, play, they still play good initial defense, um, but they were giving up, you know, offensive rebounds regardless. And, you know, that got better as the as the game went along. Um, and then against the Cavs, same thing. You know, you know, Colin Sexton's always looking to bully somebody. And it was good to see, like, you know, it's, it's been talked about. I've actually been super impressed with Kevin Herter's defense uh, recently. Look, look at you. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, because he's, he's playing, one, maybe the, he's playing a lot better against guards, smaller guards, and he's playing a lot more physical against them. And, I, you know, if he's going to play like, you know – I, I think he's playing solid defense now to the point that, you know, Nate's like, yeah, yeah Kevin's going to stay in the starting lineup. And well, sometimes he just has to realize deserved. he's six seven. Like that's yeah, the thing about her. I, like he's really yeah. long. Like he's not strong, but he's really long, and that helps. Like you can use that I against mean, small guys. Long and he's he's over two hundred pounds, so it's like, and he's playing. He's not playing the three. No, like he's not going up against small forwards. Like he's going up against guys smaller than him or his size and so it's good to see him playing with a lot more physicality a lot more just verve on defense um he is um oh i want to ask you about a couple more things but before before i forget to do this let's let's go to a break real quick hear from our sponsors and uh, we'll come right back with more with tyler built bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market and for me it's the best tasting protein bar ever it's amazing it's low calorie it's low sugar high protein, high fiber, it tastes fantastic, and has 100% chocolate on all of the bars. And now it's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best, because here in the month of March, it is Built Bar Madness. 
This week's matchups are in the sweetest 16, with eight different matchups already taking place. One of them's already in the books with Cookies and Cream prevailing over Churro Puff. But coming up, you can vote on matchups like Peanut Butter versus Coconut Puff, or Toffee Almond versus Mint Brownie, Caramel Brownie against Double Chocolate, etc., etc. All of that can be found at BuiltBar.com. And BuiltBar.com is a place that you definitely want to check out regardless, because you can find all of the products in the same place. They're all fantastic. I recommend all of them. Also, on top of that, you have a Promo code from us, it is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order with BuiltBar.com. That is LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com, also at Bar underscore Built on Twitter, and check back to see who won today's matchups and who will become the best tasting protein bar. One more time, that is promo code LOCKED15, and check it all out at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, even without football here to entertain all of us. There's the NBA, of course, on this podcast. There's college basketball. There's the NHL, in addition to soccer and tennis and auto racing and golf and everything that you could possibly imagine to wager on in the sports world. And on top of that... BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, entertainment, and reality TV. There are real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, and the props are some of the best stuff if you are not necessarily into games and uh, handicapping all of that. There's uh, individual points and individual rebounds and assists and all kinds of uh, subplots that you can take advantage of at BetOnline.ag in the props section. In fact, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website right now or use a mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts, and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get that fantastic 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. One more time, it is promo code LOCKEDON for the welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Tyler. Um... I mean, I thought we could do two hours like we always do, um, but we're not going to do that today. I, I do want to make sure we are covered on the recent play. And you mentioned you mentioned Herter, like we talked about Trey a little bit. Uh, obviously, Capella being out on Sunday is not great, and then he's questionable again on Monday. That's uh, not ideal for a guy who you need to have some foot issues right now. That's not what you want. Um, any, any other observations on the court? Like you, you want to get your takes off on, Na- on Nathan Knight, um, future future All Star Nathan Knight, any, anything like that, or? Uh, Anything else that you're saying? Because I'm saving the last thing for last thing about John Collins' trades discussions. So we can get to that whatever you want. Uh, it's good to see... It's good to see Nathan Knight, somebody, you know, from the Bruno Nathan Knight clan <laughs> finally do something. Oh, um, Nathan, um, it was good to see him play much better defense, much more sound. It also helped that he wasn't just playing center. Right, he was he played alongside John Collins, where John was the center and he was just a help defender, and he get he got to be again. It's so weird to say, you know, the the, the incredible high level athlete that he apparently is. Which yeah, I, again, I mean, I, 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 I watched I, him play a lot I, in college, and I, I didn't see that kind of burst, and he's he's I, showing it. So I mean, he, he's clearly a high level athlete, apparently. Uh, and. You know, so it was good. To, it was good to see him play well against against Cleveland. Um, but I don't, I don't really have much to add. You know, Akongu, I, I think is still better. I thought before. Apparently, Akongu just has his blood pack with Clint Capella, where he has to be hurt at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was there was the one game that Capella uh, missed uh, at the end of February. Um, the, against the, the Bucks, where he played well. Yeah, I mean, Akongu, I think it showed some real signs. I I've been kind of. I'm not surprised. That's, that's, that's the wrong word. I'm, I've kind of 
been confused as to like the negativity in the fan base around Okongwu because I know he struggled early, but for the most part, the last few weeks he's been like just fine. And there's been like plenty of flashes and the guy's 19 years old. Like he's not going to be dominant, but I think he's played pretty well recently. Um, I mean, there, there was a game here, a game in there where he has him, but I think his general play has been uh, pretty encouraging yeah, the last couple I mean, weeks. He's been, he's been a big reason. Like the defense hasn't gone completely in the tank. Because uh, he only really plays the one stretch in the first half. Yeah, it, it's, it it's like play Nate, the first Nate, half and then Nate, maybe after once. But yeah, yeah, maybe if if Nate thinks uh, he needs to, but he he tends to lean more on throwing Capella and Collins out there for the rest of the game um, at center and just going with the three man big man lineup. But like he's playing a lot better during these initial stretches, and again. I think this coincides with Bogdan being on the floor, getting him easier looks, like collapsing the defense and just getting him simple dump offs where he can just dunk the basketball and get a rhythm into the game. Uh, whereas before, when he's playing alongside Trey Young, like he doesn't have the chemistry playing alongside Trey Young, like he just doesn't. Uh, so like. He's getting more in the rhythm, and he's well. He was playing more, but now he's hurt again because again the blood pack that the, those two share. <laughs> the adductor, the adductor strain, blood pack for. Uh... Yeah, so you know he he simply cannot be allowed to be on the floor when Capella is hurt, so that we can see Akawu play extended stretches. So that's it'll happen. That's super unfortunate, but he's young. Um, not not much really to add. Just hope, hopefully. Hopefully he can get back on the court pretty soon. Keep, keep throwing him just, out there. Uh, and yeah. hopefully he's, hopefully he's healthy. And obviously Capella's health is of grave concern as long as he, uh, hopefully he is back and uh, healthy soon. And maybe he even plays on Tuesday as we as we're listening to this now. Um, okay. Before we get out of here, I have to ask you because it's been floating the last couple of weeks, especially it's starting to get louder. Now it's 10 days before the, also, 10 days before the trade deadline, I should say uh, Collins trade rumors are going to be a thing. Uh, at a fever pitch for the next 10 days. Uh, I know you are uh, one of the leading John Collins enthusiasts in the world, I will say. So uh, where's your mind at with this? Like, uh, I'll, I'll leave it open-ended. Where, where's your mind at with John Collins' trade rumors right now? Well, I mean, it's a lot of teams interested, but no, nobody giving up anything that the Hawks would be interested in taking. Um, you know, Simon Amick had the regional report that the Hawks are motivated to trade him because they don't want to pay him, which doesn't make that much sense to me. Um, considering a, like he'd probably be a better trade asset if he made more money. Um, is that, I'm not even sure that's a, is that even a hot take, Brad? Like, I mean, like if he was what, on contract for longer. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I like at this very moment, uh, John doesn't make that much money, like just on a cap on a cap side. Yes, he's not making that much money, so they can't really trade him. You, you can have him with or... Tony Snell. I mean, the, the most common conception would be to p- pair him with Snell because Snell has an expiring contract for eight figures, and you can get up to like twenty million or so with those two guys. Okay, you do that for one basketball player, and this g- goes into the bigger reason. You just made your team a lot worse. And that is the thing I've been saying forever. Like, it's really, 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 really hard to trade John Collins right now and not get worse. 
like notably worse. And, and no one, I mean, and I'm telling you no one, and I've, this is on the record, off the record, fans, anybody, I've not heard one deal that I think is... Not a single one. That, that I think is reasonable that doesn't make the Hawks worse right now. Um, because the only way to do it, really, is like having Collins as a centerpiece of a star package that's just not, a, that doesn't really exist right now, or you're trading him for guys who he's, you know, like for, here, here's one. The Spurs could be a natural partner for John Collins. The Spurs have a bunch of guys who are really interesting. Like they have Kelton Johnson. They have Devin Vassell. They have even guys like Derek White. Like pick, pick whichever guy you want or two guys. None of those guys are as good as John Collins right now. Like there's a way to do it where like, yeah, you could trade him for Kelton Johnson or and picks or whatever. And Kelton Johnson is pretty good. He can play, but he's not John Collins right now. And then the other way is to do it for someone who makes more money, like for the, the, the Collins plus Snell package. But who's the guy that's available right now to a team that wants to trade for John Collins in season that makes $20 million that's as good as John Collins? I, I mean, is it Harrison Barnes? Like, that, that's, that, that's like the one guy. And that's like the one guy that's out there that's like available at a trade that would like kind of make sense. But the Hawks are, I, I don't think the Hawks are going to trade John Collins and Tony Snow for Harrison Barnes. I'll be surprised if they do. Mm. So, I, I don't know. It, it, it all comes down to motivation. So, I, I said this before. I want, to know, I want to know what you think about it. I think I've said it to even to you. I mean, I think it's just a lot of teams interested in John Collins. but they Of course have. they are. I mean, they and their asking price is high right now as, as far as we know. But, okay, this is, I'll, I'll pose this hypothetical to you because I know you are uh, very high on John. Uh, let's say, and I'm not reporting this, I am not reporting this, this is hypothetical, if the Hawks have decided somewhere, either Travis or Tony or somebody, has decided that we, we don't want to pay John a lot of money this summer. We just don't want to, regardless. If they've decided that, you got to move him, right? Or am I crazy? I mean, if they decided that, why didn't they move him when they didn't sign the contract? Such I think well, I, I kind of agree that, with you. I mean, but here's the thing, Brad. Like, to me, I'm like, that decision needed to be made at the beginning of the season. I, I, I agree with that. Or during I, the draft. I, I, I strong agree. And I, I, and I think we even said that. Or even last, last trade deadline. Like, I'm not sure if it was on this if, podcast or off podcast, but I think you and I even talked about this. Like, the, the time to trade Collins, if you're going to trade Collins, was probably at the draft. It was when you drafted a Congo and you knew you were going to sign Gallinari was the time to trade him, and you didn't. Why? Because there was no trade available that both improved your future more than having John Collins long-term or made your team better by trading him away. So it's like, I, I just don't, I don't see the deal from these teams that's going to be available. Like, well, the, the ones that are popular, like, you know, for instance, Minnesota is the one that's the most loud right now about it. I, I cannot figure out a deal for Minnesota that makes any sense to me because... Are they going to give up Anthony Well, Williams? that's the thing. I, I don't think that they're going to do that. Now, then if, there's no, nothing to discuss. If they like, did, if they nothing. did, then that becomes interesting. Like, even as someone who's not, like, over the moon about Edwards, like, that's obviously a piece that's pretty appealing long-term. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming that the, the same front office that just drafted him number one overall is not going to turn around and trade him for John Collins. I'll be surprised if they do that. Exactly. Um, so if you look, if you look, look at the rest of that roster, like I don't really see how that works as a two-team construction. 
like Boston's another one. Like Boston's got a bunch of like weird middling assets, yeah, but like none of those are good enough. They don't, they don't have assets, bro. I mean, you, you know what, what I mean? Like middling, bad. Like they they got they got four <laughs> basketball players that are worth a crap. Well, they're, they're uh, honestly their best their best young guy trade asset is Robert Williams, who the it's Hawks Marcus have. Smart. Well, yeah, no, it's no. not Robert Williams. You can you can get Robert Williams. Oh no, though. that's why I said young guy. Marcus Smart's not young anymore. Mar- Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart is their best trade asset. Full stop. I agree with you, but he and that's the also, only... he also might be their best player. So like I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, for a long time, I know this is something Andrew Kelly said for a long time for the for the podcast. If the Hawks trade John Collins to Boston, they better get Marcus Smart in the deal. That's the only way it makes sense. I mean, yeah, that's that's the only way it makes sense. But I don't see Boston doing that. Agreed. Getting because uh, like. It just opens up a whole. We can go market smart. No, I, I agree, and we we can we can go team for team. But the general thing is like, yeah, maybe there's a deal out there that I just don't see that makes sense, and I'm not I'm not going to rule that out. Um, but I, it's we agree, it's not easy to see one. I will have one more question that we we can go if you want to. But uh, what is your reaction going to be if they trade if 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 they trade John for a package that's not like spectacular? Which I think is a possibility. I think there's a definite chance that between now and the deadline, the Hawks trade John Collins for a package that Hawks fans are not happy with. Um, well, I'll be disappointed, and uh, it'll be another. It'll be another, you know, Black Mart on Travis Slank's GM. Like it, it'd be bad management. Um, so I, I guess the follow up to that, and I'll, I'll let you keep going. The, the follow up to that is. I think you're on the team of just like match any offer on Collins. Is that is that accurate for what you think? Yeah, match it. And if you don't, because you can always you can always trade it. Like well, that, yeah, and that's I think that's this too. this this fervor. I don't I don't get. Well, here, here's like, here's I, my I this is a very salary cap nerd way to put this, and but uh, here's the the long and short of it is if the Hawks lose John. In free agency, this is this is keeping him through the deadline, and he hits free agency, and they let him go, which is not a good scenario. But if that happened, they wouldn't have big cap space. I think that's that's a misconception that people have is that they can replace him in cap space. They they don't have cap space to do that. Um, yeah, maybe they can get off Gallinari or whatever, but that's not that's not what's going to happen here. If they lose him for nothing, uh, it's going to be replacing him with the mid level or something. Like they don't or that's that, they don't have a piece. Uh, and for agency to go ahead and, and do that. So the argument, even if you didn't love it, even if you didn't want to pay John four for one ten or four for one twenty, whatever it is, you could easily argue, and I think I would argue, that you still are better off matching it, even if you're playing to trade him in a year or, or whatever. I mean, you're better off because it's a better asset. Like he's probably a bet. Like Brent, I would argue he's probably a better asset making more money than what he is now. Well, yeah, I mean, right, right now you, at least you he, just can't match salary. You can't, yeah. right? You can't match salaries with anybody for like talent. Well, like, yeah, the the only way to do it is with like Snell. The, the, this, this, this idea you're going to trade a young basketball player for a young basketball player doesn't work. Like, yeah, the Hawks will be interested in trading John for a young talent. Who's that young talent? Who trades young talent? Well, that's Nobody. the thing. I mean, you're, you're looking at you're looking at a team like San Antonio that's trading you. Devin Vassell or Kelton Johnson. That, that's the kind of deal you're looking at. It's, you're not going to get someone that's a one-for-one deal making similar money to John Collins that's as good as he is. That player doesn't exist. That's available on the market. You're trading him for someone who is worse than him, 
but also younger and maybe a pick. Like, if it's Keldon Johnson in a first-round pick, what's your reaction? That's your reaction, a deep sigh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and look, look, if the Hawks, this is, again, this is a big if, if the Hawks decided, have decided somewhere in a room that they that they, they just don't want John anymore, then, yeah, you're, you're better off getting that package than letting him go for nothing or whatever. So that's that's one angle you could take, but I don't know. I think I'd probably rather just match a deal that you don't love and trade him later than trading him for, you know, Boston's or just platter of nothing. Keeping him, like, or just keeping. I mean, I, I mean that's obviously an option too. I'm just saying, like, I'm through the prism of he's so available now in the market that there's at least a conversation somewhere in that front office that says that they're not in love with him. I think that's very clear at this point that they're not like over there. Well, yeah, it's obvious. You know I, what I mean? Like, I don't get it. And I don't, and I don't get it, Brad. This be some uppity MFers. <laughs> uh, I, I knew you would love that, but you know what I mean though? I mean, just objectively, it does seem somebody is not absolutely in love with John or there would not be this much noise. They don't, they don't have to trade him. I, I'm not sure that they're marketing him. I think they're probably just taking calls. But he's more available than a guy would be if they were just going to match on any offer for sure. You know what I mean? Like, it's not mm-hmm. like Trey Young where they're just going to hang up the phone on you. Uh, or even DeAndre Hunter, I think they're hanging up the phone on people before they do it on John. Um, so it's just interesting right now to kind of see where they are because they're in this weird spot. It's very nuanced where, like, to your point, he's making not very much money. Uh, he also really helps them win. Like, they're really good when he plays. They're trying to win, very obviously. They push a lot of chips in the middle this offseason. So to turn around and make your team worse during that season when you're now playing better and making a playoff push doesn't make a lot of sense, just, like, in in your brain. So they, all these competing factors of, like, short-term versus long-term versus the salary cap versus all this stuff, they're all going in different directions. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting, for sure. It's just hard to figure out what they're going to do. I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know what you would do. Tyler. Feel Nathan Knight is the future. <laughs> I know what you would do, game. and that is, a, and that is just match any offer on John Collins, which I'm okay with that argument. Like, I, I I've never been as high on him as you are, but I, I I'm definitely higher on him than the consensus. Like, I think John Collins is really good, and I think John Collins at four for one twenty isn't a terrible contract. I think it's def at the very least, it's tradable. At the very least, like I think he's good. Like, there's no question about this. It's just that they seem to not be in love with it. So, will you yeah, be surprised if they trade him? They don't... I mean, I still would be surprised just because I, I don't see the deal. I don't, I don't, I don't like, either. They're not, they're not trading from a position of strength, right? Well, everyone knows the deal, like, though. That's, that's, that's the thing. It puts them in a bad spot because everybody knows the situation. There's no mystery here. It's like, John's going to hit the market. Everyone knows it. He's going to get $100 million or more. And that's the situation. There's no, like, nuance to that. Everyone knows that Collins is going to get paid unless he gets injured or suspended again or something. He's getting a giant contract. It may not be the max, but it'll be close. And everyone knows it. So, but there are probably teams that want to, you know, if you're the Spurs, if you're the Wolves, you want that. You want him on the team because then you could just pay him, go over the cap, and keep him. Whereas the Hawks have that same situation, but they don't seem to be in love with doing it. So, I don't know, man. I'll be a little surprised. I'll be less surprised than I would have been two weeks ago, if that makes sense. Like, I just think there's so much noise now that it seems more possible than it did. Um, 
I won't be surprised either way. If they keep him, I'm not going to be shocked. I mean, there's people in the league that I think will be surprised if he's not traded, from what I've heard. I'm not quite there yet. I think it just makes a lot of sense to still hold on to him, especially with where their goals are. And the by the way, the owner wants to make the playoffs. That's very, very publicly known at this point. So if your owner wants to make the playoffs, and then you take a trade-off or to your owner that makes your team worse... He isn't going to be thrilled about that. You remember when he, you remember when wrestler said on the record that he shut that he declined the Paul Millsap trade because I do, that happened. Yeah, he said it on the record. He admitted it. So, I mean, that, that stuff's a long time ago. It's four years ago. A lot's changed. Different times, different times, different players. But this is an owner that quite literally shot a deal down during the season and then admitted to it after the fact. So, we will see. I don't know. Just seems a bit much like lunacy to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't really get it. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna trade, we're gonna trade the the one rock we have on this team, where you know you can get consistent production from, right? Like offensive production, defensive value, versatility, shot making. Like John does a lot for this team uh, to help them win games. Uh, and I don't know why this organization doesn't want to keep him. Um, you know, it was, I mean, especially considering how well he and DeAndre Hunter were playing together. Like, not just he and Capella. I thought Collins and Hunter were playing some really were doing some stuff that wasn't trade dependent for the first time in Trey Young's career here in Atlanta where you could do some stuff with those two guys in particular going to work against and creating mismatches and well, finishing plays. I, I bet they, I bet they wish Young. Yeah, I, I bet they wish that they could see that group. I mean, they got 18 games. I know. They got 18 games. They know what the numbers look like. Yeah. And so to me, I'm like, why would you give up on that unless Tony's, unless wrestler came down and said, I'm not paying, I don't want to pay John Collins $30 million a season, which can't be true. Uh, and, you know, unless something, unless something changed with wrestler's money in these last couple of months, what would be the reason to give up on that? Yeah, like that, uh, it's, the, the four, it's the, a money they, thing. They, this team had a core four. Like, to me, I'm like, core four guys who are playing really, actually great basketball. Like, they were playing great basketball with those four guys on the floor. Why would we give up on that? Because DeAndre Hunter got hurt. Doesn't make sense to me. But, again, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a GM just a stupid fan so who listen I, i'm not a gm either uh i, I talk about the even GM though even often. though i understand uh you know the time to trade them was was the was that the draft yeah uh i mean yeah, so, regardless yeah. i think the asset management thing is interesting here like that's not the sexy part to talk about it but it's uh the timing like you said is not ideal i mean they sh- the one thing they can't do and i've said this forever is let them go for nothing so if you know if that's on the table, like if there's a if there's a number they won't match in the offseason, 
That's going to be what somebody's going to offer him that money. That's what that's what that's what I was literally about to say. Like, if there's I mean, a number that they're not going to match, then they probably got to trade. He's going to go to another team, and like they're going to actually give him the effing basketball on a consistent basis, and he's going to average like 25, 11, two blocks, three assists, and and like the Hawks <laughs> are going to be looking for that level of production from somebody. That is definitely uh, in that play. They can't get. Like I, but we but we agree here. Like, I, I, I think, think they're I think he's gonna get they, a lot of money. They need to they need to stop being up their own ass on how to build a basketball team, and just keep the like. I don't know. We're, I guess we're gonna are they gonna trade Herder? Like, how is Herder not in in trade discussion? Well, that's the other thing. Are about they gonna this, pay like, him? I I don't know. That that's a question. That's a, he's honestly he'd be getting a lot more attention right now. I think if Collins wasn't so prominent because. Eventually, I've said this forever, they're going to trade one of those wings. Like, th- there's no chance they're re-signing. I mean, Hunter's Hunter's number one now on the list, obviously. But there's no chance they're going to keep Reddish and Herter and Bogdanovich for th- the next five seasons. Like, that's not happening. Like, they're trading one of those guys. <laughs> so, I don't know. It, and Herter seemed to be the, the, more, the more logical candidate at one point. Obviously, he's been pretty good this year, and Reddish has not been, and also has been hurt. So, maybe that's changed a little bit. But, um yeah, I, I think that we'd be hearing a lot more about Herder stuff, if not for Collins. Because if they don't trade him, and they probably won't, Herder's up for an extension this summer. Like, Trey's extension is just going to be as easy as pie. You just give him whatever he wants. But Herder is going to have the same competition that we just had with Collins. He's not as good as Collins, but he's going to be a guy that probably wants an extension. Because, like, he's been a starter for two and a half seasons. Like, he's going he's gonna to want some money this offseason, as he should. We'll see. I mean, but I know we, we both kind of said it. But I want to. I want to make sure we were clear on this. Like, if there is a number the Hawks will not match on Collins, and they know they won't match, they probably need to move on. Because I, I, I agree with you. I think it is pretty likely he gets a max from somebody. He's because, getting the max because he's good. And what? I don't think. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's quite as it, definite it, as you do. But he's gonna get a lot it's of money. Infuriating me. It's just infuriating me because, like I said before. The Hawks are apparently the only team that doesn't want to pay their young guys, except for Trey Young. Like, well, and they also and they also the, what, the, the plan the lack of hubris, the lack of hubris <laughs> from this organization. Oh no, no, Brad, like for real. Who, who are the? Every team pays their young guys. It's all, it's also it's also incongruent. Because they, they just went out and spent so much money this, this offseason. So to turn around and act like it's a money problem after you just handed out the deals you handed out to Bodanovich, Gallinari, and even Rondo, like that's a tough sell of the fan base. At a bare minimum, talking about the money now is like, you know, you can't sell that. But I'm not hearing <laughs> this is not this doesn't get sound like a money thing. It sounds like a a player thing. Like, Maybe, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not sure this is a money thing, but if it's a player thing, that makes even less sense. Eventually, because of the money thing, because of the tax, like I, I know that Tony has said that he'll pay the tax, but until he pays the tax, I will think he yeah. won't. You know what I mean? So eventually, if they're worried about, you know, because pencil tray in for 35 million or whatever he's going to get, like it's going to be the max. Um, you know, the tax is going to be a concern at some point. But by the way, you made that problem by signing guys you signed this offseason. Like this is all foreseeable. You, you got you, part of the job is doing future planning and like looking at the roster beyond the season you're about to have. 
And like, it's pretty foreseeable what they did, but maybe the plan was all along to not have John. I have no idea. I mean, I have ideas of like how people feel about stuff, but at the end of the day, Collins is truly, this situation is a mystery to me. Like I, I've, there's so much conflicting information without going into all of it. Like I talked to people that work for the team, I talked to agents, talked to people around the league and people have different ideas about what's, about what's going to happen here. But you I, know what, Brad, this, go, this goes back to my Trey Young point about they don't have their house in order. I think they don't. Cause what? Cause you, you, all this to me sounds like you're deflecting the pressure onto your players because you don't have your crap together. Cause you don't, cause you're indecisive on what you want to do. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like to me, unless some team blows you away with a real offer and like Keldon Johnson and a first round pick isn't enough, Brad. It just isn't. And you can like Keldon Johnson all you want. <laughs> and I do, but he's not. I, I, agree, I, agree, I, agree, I agree with you, though. That's not, that's not enough for an interview. Everybody likes him. Yeah. But, like, John Collins can win you a playoff series today. A series, Brad. If, if a team doesn't have good rim protectors or is weak on the inside, he's the difference. Not Capella. Capella cannot. He's not a reliable scorer that Collins is. You can go even the Cleveland game. A big reason why they won was their ability, even though he wasn't even making shots, was to get to spots, get good looks every time he touches the basketball, and defenses having to adjust to that. Right? That opens up the floor for everybody else and makes the game a lot easier. Um, so... But I don't know. Like maybe, maybe they don't want to win. Maybe Travis doesn't want to win the Brad. That's not. That's maybe not true. That's the issue. That's no, not true. That might be it. They want to win. Come it on. It might be it. Maybe they don't want to win. Maybe they want to tank some more. No. Draft K Cunningham. Well, maybe listen, that's the plan. Listen, so that we can continue to roll it back, so that Travis Slay's <laughs> job would never be in doubt. Well, uh, if they hadn't, because uh, he has to let his young guys develop. If they hadn't uh, spent. All the money in all the world this offseason, I would have probably argued that they were trying to tank again on some level. Because, you know, you could certainly argue that they kind of stealth tanked last year uh, because of the, what they didn't do. Um, and they ended up with a lottery pick again, so whatever. But yeah, no, I think that they obviously want to win now. They spent the money that they spent. But I don't, I truly don't know. People, people ask me every day, and I, I would, I guess I understand that. But we're 10 days away of... Collins stuff. I don't have answers at this moment of what's going to happen. I, I I will definitely uh, you and I will talk on this podcast if they trade John Collins. I'll tell you that at some point, pretty quick, pretty quickly after that. I will I will I will love to get your thoughts as a uh, again a leading John Collins enthusiast and voice of the fan base. So I need it, but hopefully that won't happen. Hopefully they'll just stick around. Like I, I like John. Uh, I think he's good. I like talking to John. I think he's a fun personality on top of being good at basketball. So they're better off with him than without him, unless they get blown away. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I guess that's, that's really the only thing on on that front, you know. But again, they're probably gonna continue to win some games uh, based on the schedule. What's looking like? Yeah, so, I like, guess uh, before we get out of here, I should ask you: like, you feel like they're in a good spot? Obviously, the, that that big road trip's coming, beginning on Saturday, where they go to the West and they play 
basically six good teams in eight games uh, all on the road. Uh, the teams that are not good are Sacramento and New Orleans. But even New Orleans is the last game of an eight-game trip, and it's a back-to-back, so that's a tough spot uh, logistically. So, uh, I mean, are they in good shape here? Which well, are... is Capella going to be healthy or not? That's a big so question. I think that's going to be that's going to be the difference, really. Um, I mean, right now they're uh, you know they're in the playoffs at the season ended today. They're in at least they're in the top eight. Um, I, I've kind of had the same thought I've had the whole season for the most part, and that they're still better than teams like Chicago and New York uh, in that same kind of mix with the teams like, you know, Indiana and Toronto or whatever and in that range. But right now, at the moment, right now, as we record this Monday, they have, they are tied with the longest win streak in the league with Philadelphia. So. And Brad, like I looked at it, I think there are only three teams with a point differential above three in the Eastern Conference. Uh, that is accurate. So, yes. like, there's an opportunity for this team, when they get healthy, to keep going another run like this. By the way, there's only three uh, teams with a point differential of more than 1.1 right now in the Eastern yeah. Conference. Yeah, the Eastern Conference is, is lackable. Boston is uh, Boston's 1.1, Atlanta's 1.0, Toronto is 0.5, Indiana's 0.2, New York is 0.2, and Charlotte is negative 0.1. So, all those teams are within a point and a half of each other in net rating. So, and like Miami's still super negative. Yeah, Miami actually wrote about them a little bit for uh, tomorrow for Dime, and Miami's a bizarre profile. I mean, they're basically good with they're Jimmy. Good, they're, they're, good, they're, they're, they're good with Jimmy and bad without Jimmy, essentially. Yeah, but they're also being up on a bunch of bad teams. Well, yeah, there's that. And also, they, they even with the sneaky thing about them is that, without going too far into it, uh, even with Jimmy. Their offense is not particularly good. Like they have a bottom ten offense, even with Jimmy Butler. They're, they're just defensively killing people when he plays. So there's always there's probably a little bit of noise in that. He's a good defender, obviously, but I don't. I'm not a Miami, I'm not a Miami believer. I think Miami is probably better than the Hawks right now, but that doesn't mean that they're great. Like Miami's not as good as the other three teams. I think I think there is yeah. a three team tier at the top. Yeah, and I think everybody else is uh, is going to be clamoring. Uh... I don't think the Celtics are good. I tend to to agree with you. I think the, honestly, and this is, this is the change for preseason for me. If there is one, I think the paces are a lot worse. uh, Yeah. I I, I never, I never bought them anyway, but Hey, but you know, it was, they, they got a different coach though. It should, it it should not surprise anyone. I think if the Hawks end up avoiding the play-in. Which is a change. I think it would have been a mild surprise preseason, not a huge one, but I because I had I mean I had them seventh. It wasn't like that was a huge thing, but you know they're a game and a half out of the play out of the sixty right now, and that is Charlotte. And Charlotte is better than expected to be sure. Like Lamel's great and all that, but the Hawks are better than them, I think. So if they're healthy the rest of the way, like and they get Hunter back, like you know the Hawks are still very much where they want to be for the most part. Like they're not as good as Brooklyn and Philly if Embiid's playing or Milwaukee. But, like, they can play with anybody else. And even then, they're as good as those teams are on certain nights. Like, Brooklyn's awesome, but we saw the Hawks compete with him this season. Like, Brooklyn's better than them, no question. But the Hawks are in a good spot. I mean, especially if Hunter's the guy that he was before he... When Hunter comes back, that's up. We all know that. But if Hunter's, the guy, if Hunter's that guy, things are different. Yeah, it's a good team. Uh, yeah. They're really good. And they can actually get more stops consistently on defense. 
uh, for, the, for this season, really they're, they're a top five defense with Capella. I mean, if you, if you look at their on-off with Capella on the court, if and you can't, this is a little bit unfair at cherry picking. But if you use that defensive rating when Capella plays, they'd be like third in the league in defense. They're not that good on defense. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh, when Capella plays, they are good defensively, at least so far. Yeah, I mean, a lot of their faults defensively when he's off the floor has been was you know. Gallinari Collins lineups and Gallinari anyone lineups defensively. Yeah, it's been a problem this season. It's been better lately. Don't get me wrong, but uh, for the, the the numbers are not good on those lineups. At any rate, I think I feel good. Uh, sounds sounds like you do too. As long as Capella is healthy and Hunter comes back at some point, and we'll do this again in the near future because I have to get your takes on the on the draft at some point. And the NCAA tournament's coming up, so people will be watching prospects in the next couple weeks. Uh. You, you come around, you come around to K, which is encouraging to me. K's really good. Welcome to the party. He came around himself. I oh, didn't do here we go. Here we go. I didn't do anything. I I got a hit. K was really good the whole time. I don't know about that. It's fine. He was set, he was somebody told him welcome to the party. Once he realized he can, he was going to be able to make the tournament and then make more money off sponsors. He started turning up and taking more three pointers, and it's opened up his game. Yeah, like, K, K got the K got the Zion he's, he's clearly. Now. Where uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's getting a, the buzz. He's a he's a great shooter, and now he's taking threes. Well, the crazy he's thing is, he was not supposed to be. More. I mean, I, I think you probably know that, but K yeah, was that, not supposed that, to be a great shooter coming in. That was one of his that's, weaknesses. That's what's made him explosive as a scorer. He wasn't explosive before as a scorer. Now he is because he can take shots off the dribble from three-point line. He's uh, basically without weaknesses now. I mean, obviously, there's things that he's better at than other things, but if his jump shot is this, like, come on. <laughs> I know he's not a great athlete. But uh, he's big and strong and physical, and it's it's fine. He's going to be good. So, unfortunately, the Hawks, if they make the playoffs, as we just discussed, had a chance to get him. Um, but uh, Yeah, and, and the only player that I think would help at the moment uh, for them would be Kay Cunningham, everybody else. I don't even know where they would fit. <laughs> but uh, that's, a, that's a pop for another day. I think the last thing I want to talk about was how right I was about the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you were didn't, correct. Didn't I call it? You did. You uh, Brooklyn's scary, and the scariest thing about them is that they're doing what they've been doing recently without without KD. That, well, is, that Ke- is terrifying. Kevin Durant, right? That is yeah, terrifying. So, yeah, it's almost as if they got James Harden, one of the five best basketball I mean, James Harden, uh, I'm never, you know, I think James Harden really good. The fact that James Harden has come in and done what he's done in Brooklyn is like almost being under-discussed. He like, might be the. I mean, he's the best point guard in the NBA. Well, I mean, honestly, and I'm not. I'm not a Harden Zell. I've recognized how good he is, but I truly think that he's not being talked about enough, which is bizarre because he was the biggest story in the league for like the first two months because of the trade stuff, and now that he's just been absolutely incredible in Brooklyn for like a month plus, he it's just like, oh, James Harden's playing well. It's like, no, man, he's playing better than well. Like he's been unbelievable in Brooklyn, like playing more point guard, like you said, like more distributing. Still scoring a lot, obviously, but yeah, they're they're ridiculous. I mean, quite honestly, they're number one in the NBA in offense right now, with KD playing less than half the season. Like, what are we doing? That's <laughs> defensively they're bad still, but not bad enough. Like if they're if they score like this, it doesn't matter. So I, I'm gonna be wrong. I mean, I was I was granted this is this is pre hardened trade, but I was more skeptical of them preseason. Uh, I'm not skeptical anymore. Let's just say. They're uh, they're very good. You're right. Congratulations. 
Victory laps are I've been cursed. wrong about other stuff, including... <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm wrong often. I usually admit that I'm wrong when I'm wrong, but I, uh, I'm, I'm wrong sometimes. It happens. I don't know. The Jazz. feel like I'm wrong about them, but the playoffs haven't happened, so... The Jazz do lead the league in net rating right now. As we, I'm as giving we, as we, as we trouble, um, but... They've cooled off lately, to them. be fair. But I don't trust them. Can't trust Gobert. <laughs> That's a great way to end the podcast with a uh, with slander Rudy up here. Uh, it's perfectly perfectly aligned. Rudy, I mean, what are you talking about? Rudy's got a documentary coming out, man. Does he? I missed that. Yeah, he yeah. had something. Sure, he did on ESPN. Uh, okay, I believe you. But uh, no, they're they're good. I think the Hawks are going to be good. I think the rest of the season is going to be a lot of fun. There'll be a lot of basketball happening. Uh, Tyler, please plug yourself if you'd like to. I know you uh, are on Twitter still. You're still protected. You're still protected on Twitter, but you're available. Yeah, you can follow me at Jonesy2x4 on Twitter. Um, Don't know what I'm talking about at the moment. Kind of been in a haze. College basketball this weekend. I know you love college Uh, basketball. I don't watch any college basketball. It's March Madness. Prospects playing. Come on. Jalen Suggs, yeah. Gonzaga making a run. Corey Kispert. I actually want to know when you watch. I think I, you probably watch something at some point. I want to know what you think about Corey Kispert at some point. I haven't seen a single game of Gonzaga play, Brad. I have no idea. I know. I, um, I, I'm not saying the now. numbers look great. I'm not saying now. I'm saying oh, I'm sure you're going to watch at some point. You'll probably see them because they're going to be. Is, in, isn't he 25 home. years old? He's 22. That's why I'm asking oh, you. He's also uh, looks like. Uh, Didn't that answer your question? Not a lot. Of, well, listen, DeAndre Hunter, who you were skeptical of, was ancient, and now he's really good. DeAndre Hunter proving me wrong every day about age. <laughs> Sticking Incredible. it to you. Uh, no. Sticking it to me. Anyway, we'll come back. And we'll, we'll circle back. We'll do. We'll definitely do, do some draft next time when we talk. But uh, follow follow Tyler for the takes, especially in game hawk stuff when he gets very angry. It's very entertaining. Um, and, and obviously, as you listen on this podcast, some good insight as well. Um, there's a reason Tyler is pretty much the only Hawks fan that I have on the show. It's because I think Tyler is very smart. And uh, it's good It's good kind of to have that kind of perspective because I'm more of a media member at this point. So I need that, I need that fresh, uncut analysis. And I appreciate you doing it. No problem, Brad. Thanks for having me. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the show. And we'll see you after the game on Tuesday.